excuse me, turn back to Acts chapter number six. <coughs> Acts chapter number six tonight is, uh, we're going to jump back into uh, a study we've been doing on the, the thought of a choice servant, a servant that has been chosen by God and those who seemingly get to u- be used by God in miraculous ways and wonderful ways and how we can become a choice servant as well in our own lives. Acts chapter 6, we've been looking at one in particular, and that is Stephen. Acts chapter 6, if you're there, let's stand together uh, one more time, stretch our legs, get a little blood flowing, and uh, we'll stand in honor of the reading of his word. Pick up in verse number 2 of Acts chapter 6. We'll reread what we've read a lot the past couple of weeks. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. We preached on that in the first Wednesday. But notice tonight the Bible says, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Verse 5, the Bible says, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. So notice, if you will, verse 3, The Bible, speaking of Stephen, says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 5 repeats, the Bible says he was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And tonight we're going to look at that thought here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to read about Stephen. Help us to glean tonight, Father, from what he did and the choices he made in order to become a choice servant. I pray that you would light a fire in our hearts tonight, that we would decide and desire to be used of you beyond what we're being used even now. Father, help us to see the choices we will make in our life will lead to us being chosen by you to do more things and greater things for your glory. Bless the service tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) Now remember tonight, we're looking at the choices that we make as a child of God that influence God's choice in using us in the capacities that he desires and that he needs. And we looked in the first night in chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, there was a great need that was there, and God gave a prescription through his word. The Bible says in verse 3, look out men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We've been looking at Stephen. Stephen is one of my heroes in the Bible. We don't know a lot about Stephen because his life is very brief, because his service to God would cost him his life. But one of the things we notice about Stephen is the Bible says in verse 3 and verse number 5, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Now, last week, we looked at the word full. We just took the whole Wednesday night, and we looked at the word full and how the word full indicates how we have a choice to make and what level the things of God occupy in our lives. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom in verse 3. The verse 5 says he was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. In verse 8, the Bible says he was full of faith and power. Now, these were not things that God just dropped on him. Stephen made the choice to be full. Stephen chose that his life would be full or fully occupied by the things of God. And boy, as I began preparing this, you know, I was preparing to talk about Stephen for two weeks, and here we are in the third week talking about Stephen and really going to cover one topic tonight, and that is choosing to be spirit-filled. Choosing to be spirit-filled. Verse 3 and 5 repeat that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to understand tonight that being used of God... And being filled with his spirit are totally inseparable. 
There's no way that we'll be used of God and used to be fruitful by God without a filling of the Spirit of God. Oftentimes, we try to recreate the Spirit of God, and we have great programs, nothing wrong with that, and we have great functions around the church, nothing wrong with that. But understand, in order for the church and for us as an individual members of the church to fulfill the will of God for our lives individually and collectively, it will be by the Spirit of God. Now understand that tonight. This is something the church has forgotten. We have tried to manufacture within the church something other than the Spirit of God to accomplish what only the Spirit of God can do. Stephen was chosen by God and used by God as a direct result of the fact that Stephen had chosen to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now you say, I thought we all got filled with the Spirit of God. No, we didn't get filled with the Spirit of God. There's a reason the Bible tells us to be filled in Ephesians chapter 5 with the Spirit. Why would God command us to be something that we already were? You know, after you get saved, God never commands you to get saved again. Why? Because you're already that. But he tells us to be filled with the Spirit because it's something we have to choose to be. To be. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Look, I'm not always holy. I have to work at it, don't you? All right, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Why would he tell us to be separate and be holy if we were already that? It's because we're not. It's something we have to choose, and it's something that we have to work toward, especially those last two being holy and being separate in 2019 is a tough task, is it not? So you have to work at it. So this thing of being filled with the Spirit of God, it's not going to come natural, but I will tell you this, it is necessary. If you want to be used of God and you want God to use you in a greater way than you're already being used, understand you must be filled with the Spirit of God. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, not by might, nor by power, nor by, by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, what does that say? Well, oftentimes we look at things like education and eloquence and enthusiasm. You know, in order to be used of God, I've got to have education, I've got to have eloquence, and I've got to have enthusiasm. Well, those things maybe if you're going to be a televangelist, but not always in the eyes of God. You want to be used of God... The most important thing that you must have is an endowment of the Holy Spirit of God. For the Bible says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, Jesus says, tarry ye here in Jerusalem to be endued with power. What does that mean? He says, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit of God. Now listen, we've allowed the charismatics to take this from us. All right? It's in the Word of God. If God didn't want the Holy Ghost to be in there, he wouldn't have mentioned it twice in just a few verses. The Holy Spirit of God is indispensable in the service of the child of God. We must have the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, God works through the Spirit. God works through the Spirit. He does not work through our flesh. The flesh is futile and it's fatal. I think this is why the church is failing today. We are trying to do so much through our flesh. We're trying to do stuff through our education and through our eloquence and through our enthusiasm. Why we ignore the endowment of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And that's the one thing that can get the job done. Think about this tonight. If I had two cars, I have two cars. I have a, a, a beautiful red car that we got after we moved here. And I have an older, little somewhat more homelier Toyota 
It's got a crack in the windshield, run, kind of runs across, and the armrest is kind of ripped up a little bit. And every once in a while, when it gets really humid, there's this funky smell that seems to come out. I'm, I'm not sure what we spilled or what died in there, uh, but there's this smell that is there. I would much rather drive the red one. It feeds my ego and my pride. After I got the car, my mom says, yes, that's our son's car. It's red. I've always loved the color red. My first, my first car that I ever really bought was an Inferno Red PT Cruiser. Man, it was, it was cool for about two months. Uh, but um, the Toyota is not that attractive of a car. Man, the Impala is a really attractive car. But I want you to think about this. If I had an emergency where someone says, listen, your daughter's been in an accident. And she's been taken to the University Medical Center in Jackson. Or maybe your wife is, is having some health problems. She, she's in University Medical Center, Jackson. You've got to get to Jackson as soon as possible. And I go outside. Can I tell you the car that I'm going to pick? Not necessarily the best looking one. Not necessarily the one that is the most comfortable, the most air conditioned. And I'm, I'm going to see the one that has the most gas in it. Sometimes at my house, I can procrastinate and let that dude get all the way down to the E. I'm going to pick the one, listen close, that has within it what it's going to take to get me there. Doesn't matter how the Toyota may look, if the Toyota is full of gas and the Impala is somewhat empty, I'm going to go with the Toyota. Why? Because it's filled with what I need to get me where I'm going. Now listen to you. Some of us tonight kind of look like the old Toyota. You know, our armrests are kind of wore out and, you know, the paint's kind of uh, going away on the top of the car and there's a few dents and there's a few dings and a few swole places all over us. We don't have eloquence or education or enthusiasm, but I tell you, God doesn't look at those things as we looked at on the first night. God seeth not as man seeth. What God's looking for is what's in your tank. You know, they have that Capital One commercial, what's in your wallet? Tonight, we're going to ask the question, what's in your tank? Because it'll be used of God. He's going to use you through the Spirit of God. God does not use this stuff, okay? You can dress it up. You can make it smell good. You can get it manicured. God does not work with those that look good. He looks for those and uses those whose tanks are full of the Spirit of God. You'll find a common denominator through Scripture. People that were used of God, it's amazing. You'll find they were filled with the Spirit of God. So tonight we're going to look at this thought of choosing to be Spirit-filled and Understand, if you choose to be spirit-filled tonight, you're putting yourself in a position to be used by God. So I'm going to give you three, or maybe, if you're nice, four points tonight. Amen? Number one, let's look at the thought of what being spirit-filled is. What being spirit-filled is. Turn to your right a little bit. I want to get you to flip with me tonight, because I want you to see these scriptures. Ephesians chapter number five is a very important verse I want you to recognize. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Bible says this, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a comparison happening here, because if you'll notice after the word excess, there's a semicolon, the thought continues to the rest of the sentence in verse number 18. 
The Bible says not to be drunk with wine, where it's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I have to be honest, you know, I didn't used to understand that. It took me years to get that verse down pat. Why is God telling you not to be drunk and then goes and tells you to be filled with the Spirit and then, and then the Lord gives us a good verse or a good word that helps us understand this a little bit better. Verse 18 is speaking of influence. Verse number 18 is speaking of influence. Think about it. Be not drunk with wine. Where's an excess? Now, look, I've never been drunk like with alcohol. I've been to the dentist a few times. That's the closest I've ever got to being drunk. Man, your toes start floating off there. You start laughing. I mean, it's worth the extra $40 at the dentist to get that stuff. I'm telling you. you he puts that little thing on your nose. Boy, you can feel it go all the way to your toes. And then when he hits that drill one time, it's all gone. I, I mean, that look, coffee, we don't need coffee to wake up drunks. We need just a, a dental tool. That will wake up a drunk. Because, man, I'm sitting there, and my arms are floating, and, man, I'm just feeling good. I'm telling the doctor how much I love him and things like that. And all of a sudden, it just wakes you up. All of a sudden, you've got to come back down to earth. But think about it. Be not drunk with wine. When, when someone is drunk, they are what we call under the influence They have filled themselves with something that is influencing their life and it's controlling their life. So the Bible says, be not drunk with wine. Don't fill yourself with that influence, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, being filled with the Spirit is when the Spirit of God has an overwhelming influence in your life. Just as you, if you ever, if you ever talk to someone that was drunk, I've witnessed to a lot of folks and the time to time you knock on the door, you meet someone and they happen to be under the influence They say things out of their head. They do things totally uncharacteristic. Why? Because they are under the control of that influence that they have filled their body with. Now, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's what it's saying. It says, the Spirit of God must have overwhelming control of your life. If we want to be used of God, we're going to be used through what? The Spirit. God's not going to use the flesh. He's going to use the spirit. He says, if you want to be used of me in ways like Stephen and Paul were used of me, you must be filled with the spirit. And to be filled with the spirit, it means the spirit of God has overwhelming control of your life. And I believe tonight that's why many of us never become a choice servant. Because we do not want to yield that control of our life to the spirit of God. We like being in control. Look, Holy Spirit, I'll give you 49%, but I'm retaining a 51% majority stake. I'm going to have the final say-so in my life. I don't mind if you have a part, just not a controlling part. Now, folks, listen to me. If we want to be used of God and become a choice servant, we must choose to be filled with the Spirit. We have a choice in that. Several years ago, my wife was uh, going shopping on Black Friday. I would go hunting. She would go shopping. I thought it was a great agreement, you know. I think a lot of marriages could have been saved with that agreement. And uh, so I got up that morning, I went hunting and didn't kill anything. And uh, when I was on the deer stand, I got a headache, a real bad headache. So I went on and went home. And uh, my wife came in to, to drop off her packages. Our car was only so big, you know, to hold all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, you got to have those 15 toasters for $5 at McRae's or whatever. And, and so she would come dump it off. And, and then she would go back out again. And I would go back out hunting. I had a really bad headache. Remember that? really bad headache. We were in Monroe. And I said, can you give me something for a headache before I go? And she said, sure, sure. So she, she opened up a bottle, gave me a couple of pills, and I popped them and went out to the deer stand. I'm sitting there on the side of this tree, and man, just a few minutes later, I'm just, I'm feeling good. 
my head begins to bob, and man, I am falling asleep, and I cannot keep my eyes open. I mean, if a deer came out, I couldn't, I couldn't even get my gun up. I'm just, I'm about gone. So I'm texting my wife. I says, what did you give me? She says, let me go check. <laughs> she thought she gave me Excedrin migraine, but she gave me Excedrin PM. Now, I'm not sure. I think it was an innocent mistake. I really do. I don't think she was, you know, that. be careful getting out too much life insurance. I'm just going to tell you that. Be careful because then you're, you're laying a snare before your spouse and you're tempting them. So, you know, need to lower it down to a half a million or something like that. And I finally called her. I said, I'm coming home. She says, why? I said, I, I can't stay awake. You see, I had put something in my body, these, these pills I had put in my body, and those pills were making me sleepy. And I just, look, I I'd had no control. I was just about to go. I, was, I had to get some sleep. I was under the influence of something. And what I was under the influence of, it was a controlling influence. It was affecting me. Now, listen, folks, a lot of us tonight, we want the Spirit of God to be in our life and be part of our life, but we want to be affected by it. Here's what I told my wife. I fear we want enough spirit to console us, but not to control us. We want enough of the spirit of God in our life to know that he's there. We want enough spirit of God in our life to have that warm, fuzzy feeling. We want enough of the spirit of God in our life to know that heaven's our home, but we don't want enough spirit to control us and influence us. This is why he gives us the metaphor, if you will, be not drunk with wine, where it's an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, tonight you have a choice to be filled with the Spirit or not. You have the choice to tell God, whoa, you know, someone filling up your glass. When they come up to the restaurant, they want to refill my drink. Uh, they say, tell me when. I'm like, when it's full. <laughs> you know, just tell me when. Just to, uh, when it's full. I don't want a half a glass. I want a whole glass. But God begins filling up with his Spirit. We're like, whoa. That's enough. Too much of his spirit in our life will become a control. It'll begin to influence our life. And I like living the way that I like living and doing what I like doing. Therefore, I can't be filled with the spirit because it'll influence my life too much. Now, folks, let's be careful tonight. Let's choose to be spirit-filled. Now, I'll give you some examples real quick. Think about so many heroes in the word of God who did marvelous miraculous things for the cause of Christ. They were not those who withheld their life and their heart from God. They were those who did it by the influence of the Spirit of God. I'll give an example. Stephen, we'll see in just a few verses. In Acts chapter, Acts chapter number 6 and 7, Stephen gets up and preaches the message of messages, if you will. He gets up and preaches to a group of people that are going to kill him. He gets up and preaches to a group of people with boldness and courage that is hard to find matched in Scripture. The Bible says in chapter number 7, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But watch verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and says, behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. The Bible says in verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. The Bible says in verse 60, he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 
Man, how does, how does somebody hold it all together like that? How does somebody stand up with boldness and courage and preach to people that can have his head and will have his head? How do they do that? He was filled with the Spirit of God. Can I tell you tonight, look, the Holy Spirit may come and inconvenience your life a little bit, but the trade-off is well worth it. You'll find a courage and a boldness to do what thus saith the Lord like you've never had before. I believe tonight, you just look at the boldness and the courage of the church, and you can tell we are not filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because we're timid and we're scared. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 says this. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And not knowing the things that shall befall me there. But listen close. Acts 20, 22 and 20 through 24. He says, say that the Holy Spirit witnesseth that bonds and afflictions. Bonds and afflictions, they're abiding. They're waiting on him there. But listen close. He says, none of these things move me. He was unmovable. He's going into the teeth of the bus saw. And he says, none of these things move me. The key to it is at the beginning. He says, behold, I go bound in the Spirit. He was bound in the Spirit. You think about somebody that is bound, that is, you think about Harry Houdini who was chained up and lowered there in the, in the water to do his famous trick that it was. He was bound. He was tied up. You see, he was in control of those chains. This is how the Christian should live tonight being bound in the Spirit. Acts chapter 11, we see the Bible says the church chose Barnabas to send Barnabas. And you'll find out in Acts chapter 11, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Why did Barnabas get picked? I mean, my goodness, duck, duck, goose. The church just picked him and the lot fell to Barnabas. No, he was full of the Holy Ghost. The reason he was chosen by God and he became a choice servant to be used of God is somewhere in the life of Barnabas, he chose to allow the Holy Spirit of God to have occupying control of his life. Now, folks, I know that this is going to inconvenience our lifestyles. But I hate to tell you this. If you have a faith that doesn't inconvenience your lifestyle, you don't have much of a faith at all. I mean, listen, folks, our faith is and should inconvenience our life just a little bit. The Apostle Paul wrote a whole book about it, of all that he went through and all that he had to endure for the cause of Christ, but he was able to do it because he was filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not talking about this holy roller stuff where we're convulsing on the floors and, you know, doing calisthenics in the service and all that. I'm talking about real, effective witness of a child of God because their heart is filled with the Spirit of God. Now, folks, I don't know about you. I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. This stuff right here will not get the job done. He'll only work through his spirit. And those that are effective are those that are filled. Those that are effective are those that are filled. I was at a Starbucks several years ago. I looked for it, and I couldn't find it. When I moved, I packed up my desk. I used to keep it in my desk, but I was uh, putting sugar in my coffee. Now, I know that's a no-no, but I'm only 39, all right? I'm not old enough to drink it straight black. And uh, I was visiting Miss Doreen Wilson the other day, and she says her dad told her, never put cream or sugar in your coffee, because that just ruins the taste of it. I was like, well, I've ruined it for years, you know. I always put cream and sugar in my coffee, and I got my coffee, and I set it there on the counter, and I put some cream in it, and I grabbed some sugar packets. I took those sugar packets, I'm tearing them open, pour it in there, and I grabbed this one sugar packet, and it was quite light. And I looked at the sugar packet, and there was nothing in it. But here was what was neat about it. The sugar packet had been sealed on both ends. It was like a blank from the factory. 
I'm sitting there looking at that sugar packet, and you know me, I just love a good illustration when you can find one. The Holy Spirit kind of says, you know, there's people like that in the church today. We've been sealed, but we've not been filled. I believe that's what's wrong with our churches. The Bible says when you got saved, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We've been sealed. You're sealed on the day of redemption, but we've yet to be filled. Yes, we've got our fire insurance. Yes, our name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, you're going to heaven, okay? You can't lose that. But man, it's the filling of the Spirit of God in your life and that occupying influence of the Spirit of God in your life that's going to get other people there. See, I'm glad that I'm saved and I'm glad that I'm sealed, but I need to be filled so I can help other people get there. So number one, what is being Spirit-filled? Being Spirit-filled is when the Holy Spirit of God occupies our life. Now, the second thing I want to show you, turn back, if you will, to the book of Acts, chapter 6. You're going to get your uh, finger workout tonight. Acts chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 5, notice it again, seek out, wherefore look ye out among seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Can I tell you why they had to look? Because they're not everywhere. They had to go look because they're not everywhere. Verse 5, full of faith and the Holy Ghost, being filled, gave the apostles utterance in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says the Spirit gave them utterance. You ever go to talk to somebody about the Lord and you just can't seem to get the words out? It's just kind of hard to get it out sometimes. This afternoon, we had a, our young people went out and, and, and went out and did a little bit of soul winning today. And we had an opportunity to have a soul winning class up there. Brother John put it together where we kind of give them illustrations of how to win people to Christ. And I told them, you can memorize every scripture in the Word of God. It's not going to make you a great soul winner. What'll make you a great soul winner is when the Holy Spirit of God has an occupying influence in your heart. Because Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit gave the apostles utterance. He gave them what to say. I'm glad that I don't have to memorize every, every Muslim doctrine and every Jehovah's Witness doctrine and every other uh, cult's doctrine that I can depend and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God to give me what I need when I get there. Now, I'm not saying don't study. Some of you are like, yes, I don't have to read my Bible anywhere. No, listen, the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead you to read your Bible. But the Holy Spirit, in being filled with the Spirit, gave the apostles utterance. It gave Stephen boldness. And being filled with the Spirit gave the apostle Paul direction. In Acts chapter 16, read it when you get home. The Bible says the Spirit forbade Paul from going into Asia. Here's Paul, and he's trying to decide where God wants him to go. The Bible says the Spirit forbade him. The Spirit gave him the very direction that he should go in his service to God. Can I tell you tonight, one of the greatest evidences that the Spirit of God has an occupying influence in your life, as you can tell by your direction. There's some things that we do the Holy Spirit would not lead us to do. The second thing tonight, real quickly, let's look at what being Spirit-filled is not. Being spirit-filled is when the Holy Spirit of God has an occupying influence in our life. We see that in the life of Stephen. Otherwise, he could not have done what he did. But secondly, let's look at what being spirit-filled is not. There's a lot of things said today in the church about the Spirit of God. You see things on Facebook, you see videos, you hear about things where the Spirit of God fell down on this place and the Spirit of God stirred this place and you see people at concerts and man, it's just the Spirit of God. Look, nothing wrong with lifting what the Bible says is holy hands, all right? Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But you hear about these great movements of the Spirit of God and yet here's the problem. I told my wife this, I printed something up to leave on my desk. I may have left it on my desk. That may be why it's not here. No, here it is. 
I printed this little paper up and put it on my desk today as a reminder. Be careful not to mistake a spiritual feeling for a spiritual filling. Be careful not to mistake a spiritual, lowercase f, a spiritual feeling for a capital S spiritual filling. I believe a lot of what happens today in the name of being spirit-filled is nothing less than a spiritual feeling. You know, we all have a spirit, and that spirit can be stirred. We all have a flesh body. That flesh can be stirred. The most important thing is you better make sure who has the spoon and who's doing the stirring. Because God's going to stir your, your spirit, and listen, the, the devil's going to stir your flesh. And you need to know which one is being stirred. Satan, listen, he's the undisputed king of counterfeits. And he will manufacture a counterfeit, and you'll think it's a capital S, a spirit filling, when all it was was a spiritual feeling that we got. Go to a ball game, hair starts standing up on your arm. I hate to tell you, that ain't God. I like cheering for my team. Man, I go out there on a deer stand when my wife hadn't spiked my drink, you know, and falling asleep. Deer walks out. All of a sudden, my arms become jello. Man, my spirit gets stirred up. Some of you are that way at Golden Corral. You know, you walk in there and you just get stirred all of a sudden. Amen. Amen. Brother Barry's getting in the spirit right now, thinking about that. All you can eat is all you got to say. Amen. Our spirits get stirred. You need to understand there's a difference in getting spiritually filled and having a spiritual feeling. So, well, how do you know? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Next chapter 5, not far from where we were, I want you to see something taking place. Peter and the other apostles are preaching, and the Sanhedrin wants to kill them. Verse 33 says, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then watch what Gamaliel steps up in verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. He says, hey, 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 before you kill them, wait a minute. Give me a minute. And he begins to tell them about others who've come before and failed. And he gives them a litmus test of whether or not the apostles are of God or not. Watch verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men. means leave them alone. And let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. Can I tell you how you can tell the difference between a spiritual filling and a spiritual feeling is the longevity of it. Oftentimes, we have these places and these concerts and camps. Listen to me. I'm all for a good concert and a good camp. But we need to be careful we're not stirring up people's feelings and make sure that we are giving them a filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And the way that you can tell is if it's of God, it's going to last. A lot of folks, we get our praise on, nothing wrong with praising the Lord. And it's over when the music's over. That was a feeling. That was a feeling. Because those that were filled with the Spirit of God went on to do something for God. It wasn't just a momentary, fleshly thing. Gamaliel says, if it's of God, it will, if it be of men, it will come to naught. And how often do we have these great movings of the Spirit and nothing comes of it? Nobody got saved. Nobody went to the mission field. Nobody walked across the street to witness. Wait a minute, I thought the Spirit of God fell on that place. Now, folks, look, I know this is not popular stuff, but is this not the truth? I mean, we have all of these spiritual things happening all over. You'd think America would be the most godly nation in the world. We're not. 
Why? Because we have spiritual feelings that we think are spiritual fillings. So what being spirit-filled is not, it's not of the flesh. Remember, God does not work through the flesh. That's why we got to have the smoke and the lights and the, and the drums. Amen. Listen, because we got to stir this up because we're missing what matters. Amen. Now look, folks, look, I, I love you, and I'm not here to make enemies. I, I'm trying to make all the friends I can, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Amen. This is why in our churches today, we have to gin it up really, really good. We gin it up. Man, it look, man if you walk in that door, it looks like God's done fell on that place. But the way you can tell whether it's God or not, it's going to leave a mark. When God worked in the lives of people and God filled their hearts and the Spirit of God filled their hearts, those men went on to do something for God. If the work be of men, it will come to naught, and so often it comes to naught because being spirit-filled is not of the flesh. Number three, I will give you four. You've amen good enough, I will give you the fourth one, okay? Number three, you say, well, if, if it's not a feeling, and it's a feeling, number three, what being spirit-filled does? Let's look at this real quick. What being spirit-filled does. Now, this is important. You know, a lot of times there's things happening in the churches. We have experiences. Look, there's nothing wrong with a good experience. Nothing wrong with things going on with your life. But when you go through something, you better make sure it lines up with the Word of God. That's how you find out if it's of God or not. Let's just run it by the Word of God. Well, we can find out tonight whether being, what spirit-filled does. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14, the Bible says this. Listen close. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Listen close. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Notice tonight what the Spirit does. The Spirit leads. The Spirit leads. The Spirit is not a one-hit wonder. You come to church and, man, Spirit made me feel good today. That's not the business the Spirit's in. The Spirit's not here just to make us feel good and get excited. The Spirit wants to lead us to something. And the way that tonight you can tell it's the Spirit of God is you're going to be led to something. The filling filling of the Spirit of God, listen to this, is always going to manifest itself somehow in more than just a fuzzy feeling and the hair standing up on my arm. Luke chapter 4, listen close. The Bible talks about Jesus. The Bible says being full of the Holy Ghost... There he is, full of the Holy Ghost, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice the Spirit led him. He was full of the Holy Ghost, not just for a momentary feeling of euphoria. The Spirit of God that he was filled with led him to the wilderness. We'll find in Matthew, it goes on to say, to be tempted of the devil. Why would someone choose that? The Bible says they were led of the Spirit. Now, I'll give you a couple of things real quick before we finish. Number four is really just a half a point, so don't get too uh, too upset, okay? Galatians chapter 5, turn there. Let's turn there together, okay? Galatians chapter 5. I want you to know I love you. I really do. I want God to use this church, but he's going to use it through spirit-filled people. Galatians chapter 5. Look down, if you will, to verse number 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So we see the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? Not only does it lead us, but the Spirit produces fruit. It's amazing that the Spirit can do more than just make the hairs on your arm stand up. Verse 22, it says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Look at all these things. These are fruits of the Spirit. Now, here's what I love. I love running to people. We'll be out door knocking, out soul winning, and talk to somebody, and they'll tell me, man, they're filled with the Spirit. I'll meet somebody, man, and they're filled with the Spirit. Man, me and the Lord are like this, and I hope they are. Okay, I'm not cynical about everybody. I hope they are. But there's a way that you can know the fruit of the Spirit. It gives us a list in verse 22, 23, and 20, uh, verse 23. There's evidence that the Holy Spirit has an occupying presence in our life. And here's, here's what's amazing. I, I know folks, man, they're, you ask them, they're full of the Spirit. But there's no love. There's no joy. There's no peace or long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, or faith. And here's what I have a problem with. You tell me it's an apple tree, sooner or later I'm looking for apples. You tell me it's an orange tree, sooner or later I'm going to be looking for orange tree, oranges on that tree. Now, we say tonight that, hey, I'm filled with the Spirit. There's going to be fruits of the Spirit. Now, folks, understand tonight, look, this is God wanting to use us in a greater way than we're already being used, and he's telling us, I'm going to use you through the filling of my Spirit. You're going to have to let my Spirit have an occupying presence in your life, an overwhelming presence in your life to where it produces fruit. And, folks, it's by our fruit. It's by our fruit. That's the testimony of our witness. Look, we keep trying to talk people into heaven. Just show them the fruit. Show them what the Spirit can do. I love it when an old grumpy, gripey, growling person gets saved and they become a loving, joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, gentle, good, faithful person. People say, what happened to that guy? I want that medicine he's on. I want to get that prescription that guy got. So, well, I'm glad you asked. Can I tell you what the prescription is? It's salvation through Jesus Christ, and this is the feeling of his spirit that we get to have after we get saved. So we see the fruit that it produced. And then Acts chapter 1, I'm not going to turn there, just write it down. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, ye shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Bible says, watch, the spirit, what does the spirit do? It leads us. When the Spirit has an overwhelming presence in our life, it's going to lead us. And then the Spirit produces fruit. But then the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, it's through the Spirit that we find our witness as well. You know what people get wrong in our charismatic corners of the world is all of the spiritual stuff they talk about. The purpose of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit of God gave them utterance and they spake with tongues, known languages... How we hear every man in our own tongue. They were not some, blah, 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 blah. they were a known language. The whole point of that was to reach the lost. Now, look, you got something spiritual going on. Sooner or later, there's going to be a convert. If the Holy Spirit of God shows up, I mean, the Holy Spirit of God, it's not just going to be you come to this room and the hair will stand straight up on your arm. That's not what it's about. The Spirit of God, the purpose and the goal, listen, is to win folks to Christ. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came that they would be witnesses. Now, here's what's sad. We have all of these spiritual people in America. Man, have these spiritual moments. Nothing wrong with that. But sooner or later, the leadership of the Spirit's going to show up in your life. Sooner or later, the fruit of the Spirit's going to show up in your life. And sooner or later, you're going to lead somebody to Christ because that's what the Spirit of God does. Or else I am afraid we cannot lay claim that we are spirit-filled. 
based on what the Bible says. Now, we can change that and, and move the goalposts, but that's what the Bible says right now. The fruit of the Spirit gives us a list that are there. The last thing is, is real quickly tonight, I want you to think about what being Spirit-filled involves. Number four, what being Spirit-filled involves. And remember, all of these things are a choice that we get to make. What being Spirit-filled involves, understand, it's not a Joel Osteen, name it and claim it type thing. You can't just say, you know, I want the Spirit, I'm going to have the Spirit. No, the Bible gives qualifications for how we will have the Spirit of God or we will not have the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you two. We could give you a whole list tonight. I'm going to give you two for the sake of time. The first is obedience. What being Spirit-filled involves, you want to be Spirit-filled. You say, I want to be Spirit-filled. I choose that my life will have an overwhelming influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to produce fruit from the Spirit. And I want to witness through the Spirit. Well, it involves obedience. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, one of the shortest verses there, the Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Now, how do we quench the Spirit? What does quench mean? I remember several years ago at the church, I was out washing something off on the, uh, on the, the parking lot, and somebody pulled up, and they parked their car right on the water hose. And I'm sitting out there just trying to spray off. I forget what it was, some of the kids from VBS or something, and I was spraying off the car, and all of a sudden, it just, it just stopped. I don't know if we didn't pay our water bill or, or what, you know, there's just nothing coming out of there. And I turned and look, and somebody unknowingly had parked their car on the water hose. And now the flowing of that water, what I was needing to get the job done, it stopped. It was quenched. Okay? The Holy Spirit of God is what's going to get the job done in the church. God works through his spirit. And all of a sudden, we're, we're doing well, going fine, and then next thing you know, something quenches the spirit. What is it that quenches the spirit? When the Bible says quench not the spirit, I'll tell you, it's disobedience. Disobedience will quench the spirit of God faster than anything. When God moves in our service and God stirs the heart of people and we're resistant, no, God, I'm not going to give you what you want. We can quench the spirit just like that. Just ask Samson. Samson did what Samson did through the spirit of God. And when Samson, through disobedience, turned his back on God, he found that the spirit of God had departed from him. You see, number one, what the spirit involves is obedience. Number two, what the spirit involves is purity. Purity. Galatians 5, great verse about the Spirit. The Bible says in verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the, to the other. Listen close to this. So that you cannot do the things that you would. You cannot do the things you would. You see, when you're walking in the, in the flesh, you can't do what you could do in the Spirit. And when you're walking in the Spirit, you can't do what you could do in the flesh. Aren't you glad? That's why verse number 16 says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As long as you're walking in the Spirit, you can't do what the flesh wants to do. But man, when you quit walking in the Spirit to walk in the flesh, now you cannot do the things you would in the Spirit. It kind of works both ways. This is why that thing of holiness and separation is so important. Because when we're not be ye holy and we're not be ye separate as he says we are, we are drifting from over here back to over here and we cannot do the things that we would. We're no longer in a position to become a choice servant. Now, folks, I know we have thrown a lot of stuff out here tonight. But I want to ask you tonight, do you want to be a choice servant? 
When God's looking down and God says, I need a servant, man, I've got a need over there and I need to plug somebody in. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to look in your gas tank. And he's going to look and see what's in there. And you say, well, you know what? Some, I'll tell you what I'll do sometimes. I don't want to stop and spend forever at the pump. You ever get one of those slow pumps? <sighs> those will teach you patience. It's like, tick, tick, tick. you're like, no, I'm going to put a dollar in there and I'm going to go on down the, down the road. I'm just going to put a couple of dollars in here because I can get home because Wheel of Fortune's on, you know? Got to get home and, and check that out. So I'm just going to put $5, and you just keep neglecting it, and you don't fill it up. You see, oftentimes we neglect being filled with God's Spirit. So you know what? I want more. I want more. I want more. And God looks down and says, I can't use them. They don't have in their tank what they're going to need to get the job done. Why did he pick Stephen? Because it says twice he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Spirit. Not this stuff. No, no, no. He had just totally surrendered his life to the overwhelming influence of the Holy Spirit of God. God says, go. He went. God says, I want you to stand in front of those guys, and I want you to preach a message. They're not going to like it. They're going to kill you for it. And Stephen did it with boldness and courage. How? He was filled with the Spirit. His tank was filled with what it was going to need to get the job done. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I want to be a choice servant of God. And I know that that's going to require me giving up more real estate of my heart and my life to be filled with the Spirit. He must increase. I must decrease. But boy, look at the life of Stephen and look at the life of Paul and look at the life of Barnabas and look at the life of all of these folks. It seems like it was worth it to be filled with the Spirit of God. So my question tonight is this. Choice servants are those that are choosing to be Spirit-filled. Are you Spirit-filled tonight? Have you given over your life to have an overwhelming influence of the Spirit of God that he might lead you, produce fruit in you, and use you to become a witness? Tonight, why don't we quit wishing? Why don't we quit wishing? Man, I wish God would use me like that. I wish God would let me do something like that. Why don't we quit wishing and decide, you know what? I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to have an overwhelming presence in my life to lead me as he would, and you might find yourself being used of God in ways you never thought you could because that's the way that God gets the glory. A choice servant tonight is one who chooses to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's not something that happens randomly. It's something you decide that you want to be filled with the Spirit. Heads are bowed tonight, eyes are closed.